morning. We are so glad that you could be with us today. We're starting a new series, really started it on Easter Sunday, talking about the story of when Jesus encountered two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And so I'm going to read that whole story for us today. We didn't read it on Easter. We may not read it in the coming weeks, the whole story. But today, to start off, I thought I would read the whole story. So would you stand with me as we read from Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13, and pay attention to the words of Jesus, because that's what we're really focusing on this morning, hearing from the Savior. The words of Jesus, those words that are written in red ink, if you're using your paper Bible anyway. This is what the, how Luke tells the story. Now on that same day, Easter day, Easter afternoon, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all the things that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know what has happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said. They didn't see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with the prophet Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's almost nearly evening and, it, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was... At the table with them, he broke bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened scripture to us? Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. All right, so Jesus is, these two guys, or maybe, maybe guys, one's name is Cleopas, the other one we don't know, maybe it's his wife, it could be, I suppose, Mrs. Cleopas, but these two disciples are on their way to Emmaus on Easter afternoon. On their way, they encounter Jesus, although they don't know it's Jesus. Jesus asked them, you know, what's been going on? And they, they respond, you know, are you the only one that doesn't know? And they keep on walking and he talks to them and they get to their house. Uh, Jesus pretends that he's going farther and they invite him in. It's getting late. Come stay with us and have dinner with us. And he goes in and he breaks bread and prays. And when he gives it over to them, then they recognize that it's Jesus. 
And before, just as quickly as they recognize it's Jesus, he's gone. And they decide we need, even though it's been seven miles to Emmaus, they turn around and go seven miles back to Jerusalem. So going about a half a marathon that day. So two Emmaus, back to Jerusalem, they find the disciples, they tell them, listen, it's true, everything the lady said is true, Jesus is alive. Oh, what a story. Uh, From this story, in the next couple weeks today, we're going to be focusing, as I mentioned, on the the words of Jesus. Next week, we'll be talking about how Jesus uh, uh, broke open scripture for them and finding Jesus in scripture. The next week, we'll be uh, uh, finding Jesus in the sacraments. And then how we engage in Jesus. And what do we do with this, this good news once it's deep within our bones? That's where we're going to end up in the last sermon of this series. But today, we're talking about hearing from Jesus. That's the goal. I suppose that's the goal every single Sunday, right? We all want to hear from Jesus. But today, that's specifically the goal. In fact, my goal for you today is that you would not hear any of the 4,269 words. That's how many words is in my sermon today. 4,269. I would rather you hear one word from Jesus than the 4,269 words from me. In fact, I'd rather you hear one word from Jesus than a million words, 10 million words from me. One word from Jesus. Now, if Jesus were to speak to you one word today, just one word, what do you think he would say? Maybe go... Stop, yes, no, wait, breathe, relax. If Jesus Christ were to speak one word, just one word to you today, what would he say? Because you see, I believe that Jesus is with us. I believe he's here. Uh, I believe that because of what Jesus said in Matthew 18. You remember Matthew 18, Jesus said this, for where two or three, or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Now, if we believe that's true, and I do, then Jesus is here. We may not have the same crowds that we had on Easter Sunday two weeks ago. You know, it's, it's less today. When I, was, I, when I was in seminary, I worked at a Presbyterian church. And on Easter Sunday in that church, we had 620 people. And the next Sunday, we had 84 people. <laughs> and so the pastor called that Black Sunday. Um, you know, so we're two weeks removed, you know, it's not quite the same, but still, we have more than two here, more than three, and Jesus said he would be with us. So what that means is right here, right now, if you believe Jesus' words, that here in Flint, Michigan, on April 23rd, Jesus Christ himself Not in the exact same fashion as on the road to to Emmaus, but in a fashion. Jesus himself is with us. And if that is true, if Jesus is with us, think of everything you know about Jesus and everything you know about your circumstance. Do you think Jesus would be silent? Think of everything going on in your life. I don't know, maybe it's a health crisis, maybe it's a mental health crisis, maybe it's things going on at your workplace or your school, maybe it's situations in your home or in your extended family, maybe you're dealing with guilt from things long ago or from things recent. Think about all those things that are happening right now in your life. And think about everything you know about Jesus. 
Everything you learned in Sunday school, everything you, you heard in a sermon or your own personal study, the, the stories you've heard, Jesus who, who fed thousands, healed hundreds, raised three people from the dead, preached the Sermon on the Mount, and told many, many parables. Think of all those things. And if we believe that Jesus Christ himself is with us, given what's going on in your life right now, do you think he'd be silent? Now, sometimes Jesus is silent. Sometimes we pray and it doesn't seem like we're, we're getting any. Sometimes we don't hear go or stop or yes or no. Usually in those instances when I'm praying and it doesn't seem like I'm getting any answers, usually I take that to mean wait, relax, slow down. Sometimes it's remember what I've already told you and why don't you do that? Sometimes Jesus is silent, but I think, I think often... Jesus is speaking, and like those, those two on the road to Emmaus, we're not listening, or maybe we're not hearing what we want to hear. On that, on that day, that first Easter afternoon, when Jesus encounters those two on Emmaus, he says three things. Two, the first two are questions. The second question, I think, for us is more important than the first question. The first thing Jesus says is, what are, what are you discussing? comes up to him, what are you talking about, boys? Or Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. What are you talking about? Simple question. And they, and they, and they say, say, well, about all the things that are going on in Jerusalem and, and all, those, all the happenings that have been happening these last few days. And Jesus, giving, you know, asking, you know, playing dumb, I suppose, says, well, what things? And they respond in a, in a way, you know, where have you been? Have you been hiding under a rock? To which technically, I guess Jesus could have said, well, technically, yes, I guess, yeah. He says, what things? And it's an interesting question, really, because I think that's the same question as Jesus is moving in our midst, I think he says the same thing to us. What things? What things are going on in your life? What's, what's happening? And he's, and he's really asking us to define our reality. What's going on? What are you experiencing? Uh, how are you feeling? What's your reality? Can you be honest about your reality today? How are you doing? Soul, spirit, mind, body? What things? What things are going on in your life? Right here, right now. What things? See, I think we all have things going on. Your things may be different from my things, but we all have something happening in our life. Every one of us, I, I think, has something where we need the Savior's attention. All of us do. And if you say, well, not me. I don't have anything. There's nothing in my life where I need the Savior's attention. Then I would say, well, two things. One, have you ever heard of the word denial? That would be one. And if it's true that there's not one single thing in which you need the, the Savior's attention, I would say, you know, buckle up, buddy, because something's going to happen soon enough. Because we all have something, right? And sometimes it's, it's more difficult than others, but we all have something. And for me, true confession time, for me, it's, you know, I, I need thee every hour. 
right? Every hour I need the, what things? Jesus, I can give you a list of things. Are you kidding me? What things? I can go on and on. What things in your life need the Savior to intervene? Maybe it's sickness and you need a healer. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a bad habit and you need a chain breaker. Maybe it's circumstances in your family, uh, wayward kids or wayward grandkids, and you need, you need that good shepherd to go out seeking that lost sheep. Maybe your marriage is in trouble or you're dealing with loneliness or there's, there's so much guilt from things and poor choices that you've made and you need a savior to step in. See, I think before Jesus can help us, we have to define our reality. What things? Some things, sometimes the things we think are true are not true. We're going to see that in these guys on the road to Emmaus. But sometimes we think things are true and they're not exactly the way things truly are. Uh, this week, you know, we had our district assembly and I was talking with our general superintendent. And, and, you know, in the Church of the Nazarene, we're in 164 countries in the world. And one of those countries is Ukraine and one of those countries is Russia. And, and so that complicates things because they are both being fed different information. And so they their version of reality is very different. They're very good Nazarenes in Ukraine, very good Nazarenes in Russia, and yet they've been, they've been given different information that leads them to different conclusions. Does that make sense? Sometimes our reality may not be reality. And that's what's going on here. We can look at what the reality is. Jesus says, all right, what things, boys? And they respond in verse 19 about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. All right, let's fact check that. Well, Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas, or friend of Cleopas, uh, that's a little small. Jesus was more than a prophet. Jesus is the son of God, so we're fact checking. This is very God, very man. This is Jesus. In fact, you're talking to him, the risen Lord. You're talking to him. So your, your reality is not quite real. Second thing they say, verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to the death and they crucified him. Fact check, well, that's true. That's exactly what happened. They crucified Jesus. Verse 21, but we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. A fact check that statement. Well, again, you're, you're looking at Jesus far too small. For Jesus didn't just come to, to redeem Israel. Jesus didn't come just to chase the Romans out of Jerusalem. In fact, if anything, Jesus came to invite the Romans in and everybody else in. Jesus came not to redeem, simply to redeem Israel. He came to redeem you and me, redeem us from, from the, the sin's death grip so that we might experience what Fanny Crosby, the old songwriter, said, freedom, glorious freedom, wonderful freedom. No more in sins, uh, of sins I repine. No more, no more burdened by, the, by, by those sins. And what did she say? Jesus, the glorious emancipator. Jesus, the one that, sleeves, uh, that frees the slavery. Jesus, the one that redeems us. Now and forever he shall be mine. That is what we're talking about. Their, their version of reality was way too small. They go on to say, in a... What's more, it's the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, didn't find his body. They came back, told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. We didn't believe that. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the woman said, but they didn't see Jesus. So we're heading to Emmaus. Their version of reality 
led them to move in a totally different direction. Remember last week or Easter Sunday when we were talking about it, the, uh, when the women went to the tomb, what did the angels say? He said, go to Galilee. Jesus will meet you in Galilee. Galilee is north. They're heading west. Their version of reality, thinking that Jesus was dead, thinking that the ladies were crazy, whatever they saw or thought they saw was not correct because that led them to go to Emmaus west instead of Galilee north. Sometimes our version of reality will lead us down a wrong path. I say it all the time. People who, who their version of reality, maybe it's uh, uh, tied to their self-esteem. And because of their low self-esteem, they think of themselves as worthless or useless or insignificant. Nothing could be farther from the truth. What, is, what does the psalmist say in, in Psalm 139? I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make throwaway people. He, we, are, we have value in God's eyes. And yet a low self-esteem, if that's our version of reality, it will lead us to, to, to not fulfill our potential of what we could be in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Because we've believed the lies that, that we, we don't have value or that we're insignificant or what we do doesn't matter, it leads us to a place of, of, of not becoming all that God would have us to be. I've seen it in others who, who have believed lies spoken about them. Maybe they were uh, victims, maybe it was as a child or even as an adult and people spoke lies into their life. And so they've believed it and it's colored the way they've looked at others and it's colored the way they've looked at themselves or maybe it's colored the way they've looked at God. God, how in the world could you have allowed this to happen? And they've been so chained to their past, those past uh, 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 circumstances that they are not free to live into the present. I wish they would have an Isaiah 43 moment. Remember in Isaiah 43, a wonderful, I love this verse. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up in you. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Ah, I wish that would be for us. That we would allow God to, to do a new thing in us. That we would not be chained to our past and all the junk and the garbage that has been spoken into our lives that has skewed our version of reality. Does that make sense? could be that maybe you think that God hates you or that you have been disqualified from God's love because of something that you have done or, or, or the way in which, which you've responded. Maybe even you've, you've thought, well, I don't even know if God even exists. Our preschoolers, our preschoolers know this verse, you do too. God is love, simple as that. Our preschoolers may not be able to quote Romans 5, but, but some of you can. But God demonstrates his own love for us for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, God is for you. He's not against you. You've heard me say it before. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. God loves you. God is for you. God wants to see see you fulfill all that he, he has for you. And when our version of reality is skewed, when we're believing things that are not true to be true, that, that sends us down a wrong path, just like these fellas on their way to Emmaus. What things are going on in your life? And Jesus comes to us and says, what things? What things are happening? Can we have the courage to speak to him? If we believe that Jesus is here, and I do, where two or more are gathered, 
And Jesus speaks to us. He's not just sitting idly by. He's not just, you know, showing up in, the, in some back corner, but he's really here and he's speaking to us. What things would Jesus say to you? See, before Jesus can help us, we need to identify the problem, identify the need, and go before him. So Jesus comes to these guys on the road to Emmaus. What are you talking about? Well, you talked about everything that's gone on in Jerusalem. What things? Are you the only one that doesn't know? And then they, Jesus proceeds to tell these guys, they're talking to Jesus about Jesus, and Jesus then proceeds to tell them everything. And verse 25 is a very telling verse. It says, how foolish you are, how slow to believe. Well, that's something you never want Jesus to say to you, right? How foolish you are, how slow to believe. I threatened that I'm going to preach this sermon, an eight-word sermon. I've yet to do it, but, but one day I'm going to. I'm going to get up and preach an eight-word sermon, and then I'm going to sit down, and we're going to pray and go. You know, you know what to do, go do it. That's it. I think, most of, I think that's where most of us are. We know what we need to do. Go do. That's why I love Baptism Sunday. In, in, in a minute, we're going to baptize two people in this service. And we've got, I don't know, six, seven in the second service that we're baptizing. Um, because those people, they know what they need to do. They've decided to follow Jesus. You know, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I've decided to follow Jesus. They know what to do. They're doing it. Praise the Lord. But for some of us, the that we know what to do and go do it, it isn't uh, regarding salvation. We've made that decision, and yet we're not living a victorious Christian life. So why not? I think most of you, you probably can pinpoint why not. You don't need me. You don't need the preacher telling you why not. Again, if Jesus is in this room, and if he's speaking to us, then I believe that the Holy Spirit is pretty faithful and he will tell you why not. Maybe there's people that you haven't forgiven that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness, seek forgiveness of someone that you haven't done. Maybe there's a habit you need to to break. There's a, a pause you need to take. If Jesus is here, an active participant in this service, two or more gathered, And if he's speaking to us, what's the word that Jesus is saying to you? Maybe it's stop. Quit what you're doing. Change paths. Those are all negative. Maybe it's positive. Maybe Jesus is coming up to you and saying, man, you're doing great. You know, go for it. Maybe Jesus is calling into full-time Christian service. Maybe it's being a missionary in, in our next service. Jessica Rowland typically is in our second service. Young lady who's called the missions. And in October, she's going off to Indonesia. You know, go for it. And maybe it's not Indonesia. Maybe it's starting a, a Bible study group or a prayer group or volunteering with our children's ministry or youth ministry or singing in the choir or whatever. Maybe he's coming to you and saying, go for it. Maybe it's in regard to your generosity, right? Maybe you've been, been thinking, man, I just need to, how generous does the Lord want me to be? And, and Jesus is saying, go for it. Just be generous. Be generous with your time or your talents or your, or, or, or your resources. Be generous. What is Jesus saying to you? If Jesus were saying one word, what would it be? Because the thing you don't want him to say 
how foolish you are. How slow to believe. When I think of um, the end of my ministry, I think uh, the things I, I... I think I'll regret the mistakes I've made, but I think even much more I'll regret the opportunities I've missed. See, I think when we regret the mistakes we've made, that's, oh, how foolish I've been, you know, those, those things that we did and we shouldn't have done it. It's like, oh, how foolish, how foolish. But I think the bigger regrets will be the things that we didn't do that we could have done. How slow to believe. Theology 101. Those actions that we regret are sins of commission. Those are things that we committed. And we regret those. We regret those when they've happened. We regret those maybe shortly after. And it's how foolish, how foolish, how foolish I was. But sins of omission. That's what will haunt us the rest of life. Those things, how slow to believe I was. Why, why didn't I? What if, what if I really would have given myself over to the Lord? What if I really would have, have, have sought forgiveness? What if I really would have, have just escaped those fears that have been hanging over me and just did what the Lord wanted me to do? What if I really sold out to Jesus? What if, what if, what if? What if I totally committed myself to him? Those are the things that will, will haunt us toward the end of our lives. What if, I, what if I followed Jesus and he did something so amazing, so remarkable, so unbelievable that it forever changed the trajectory of my life? Well, we're going to hear from two in this service that heard Jesus speak to them. And that person, you know, they heard the, the word of the Lord who said, you know, it's time to cross the line. And to be baptized, go for it. What things are Jesus speaking in your life? Is he calling you? Can you be real with yourself? And when Jesus comes to you and says, define your reality, how do you do that? Well, let's close in prayer or pray. And then those that are going to be baptized will make their way into the tank. I love baptism services. Because these people heard from Jesus. Heard him say say follow me and they said yes I have decided to follow Jesus Lord we believe you're in this room that you're speaking communicating even to us you said that when two or more gathered there you will be also we don't think you're just sitting idly by but rather you're speaking into our lives for some of us that's that's go or stop it's a yes or no for some it's let's wait hold on For others, it's today. It's today's the day to let the world know that you have decided to follow Jesus. And we rejoice with this good news. So thank you, Lord, for baptism Sundays. Thank you, Lord, for times when we can cross over the line and say, I'm following Jesus, just like these folks are doing today. We rejoice in this good news. It's in your name we pray. Amen.